Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 26. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Today's guest is Tim Gardner. Tim's wife, Emily, reached out to me to find some good books for her husband to read. She said they'd both noticed that reading at the end of the workday provided a needed break between work life and home life, but Tim was running out of good books to read. I told her I don't do matchmaking by email, but Tim could always come on the show to talk books, and he did. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Let's get to it. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad you could come on. Glad yeah. that your, your wife wrangled you on here. Yeah, she's uh, she's actually jealous. She can't be on the show. Or she's not on the show today. <laughs> well, maybe one day. Tim, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is uh, Tim Gardner, and I am uh, married to my uh, wonderful wife Emily Gardner, and she and I have two kids together. Uh, one son who is just over two years old, and our daughter is seven months as of yesterday. Oh wow! Yeah, and we live in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. We have been here for about a year and a half. We came from North Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, specifically. Mm -hmm. We were there for a year, uh, two and a half years after moving away from California, where both my wife and I are born and raised in California. That is a big change. Do you miss it? it? Is. Definitely. We're getting further and further away every time we move. Okay. Maybe we'll find some books to take you back there. Yep. Tim, tell us a little bit about the role reading plays in your life. I'm not a reader. I don't consider myself a reader. I um, am a... I guess you could say nominal reader. I read for my job. I'm a youth pastor and I read a lot for my job, like in leadership and in um, theology and culture and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't read for fun. And, uh, you know, about four years ago, I graduated from seminary, uh, graduate school, and I, you know, I had to read all kinds of books for that. I was reading all the time. And so for the last four years, it's kind of been a Unless I'm forced to read it for my mm -hmm. job, I don't want to read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, But I've realized recently that reading is actually kind of creeping back into my life uh, in just kind of interested in reading as a way to disconnect from work. Mm -hmm. So reading as a, uh, as a mental break between my work day and my life at home. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether it's, you know, five minutes to 15 minutes of reading, uh, it, it separates myself from my work so I can be fully present with my family. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that, like, it's just kind of, it's becoming a thing again. And I'm not sure exactly what to do with that because I've not okay. seen myself as a reader, but. Okay. So yeah. you need, is it challenging to find titles? Yes. Because okay. what I'm used to is uh, leadership and the theology and things that I've had to read for the past mm -hmm. 10 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is adamantly not what you want. Yes. Okay. Although I enjoy it. I mean, I, I get things out of it, but yeah. it's not, it continues to remind me of work every time I read right. something like that. It's not the break you're looking for. Exactly. Okay. Excellent. Well, here's how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and we'll talk about what you should read next. Okay. Let's start with your favorites. What's a book you love? Yeah. Uh, recently, I've read Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Karnazes. I think that's how you say it. That sounds good to me. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I really love that book because uh, I'm a runner. I consider myself a runner. I've done some triathlons over the years. And his story was super engaging because it took him from a non-runner to uh, doing ultra marathons, mm -hmm. running 
hundreds of miles mm -hmm. without stopping. And just his story of inspiration and the ability to keep going, even though your, your body, everything in you wants to stop. It was really um, engaging. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a historic piece of literature and it wasn't <laughs> written perfectly. Uh, and there's, you know, there's definitely, uh, it's definitely written for the people, I would say. But mm -hmm. it was definitely, con the content was hooking mm -hmm. uh, for what I'm interested in. Okay. I like yeah. it. Yeah. What's book two? I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed recently. I'm glad this is showing up in the favorite section really? finally. <laughs> it's, it's gotten, it's appeared in other categories oh. on this podcast in the past. Well, there you go. Okay. Okay. So I'd love to hear. Tell us what made you yeah. pick it up and what you love about it. So I was looking on Overdrive, like an app that's connected to the uh -huh. library, and I read it on uh, my iPad, uh, noticed it was an Oprah book of the month. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, I was kind of put off by it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but read it anyways, and didn't even know it was a movie. And I think I, I read it because I grew up backpacking in California mm -hmm. and kind of um, the West Coast in general. And so there's a personal connection there because she was backpacking the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. And I mean, I think that just the story of her life, her grief, her success, her failure mm -hmm. was really interesting. I mean, again, I'm a pastor. And so the, the, the journey of grief for her was a really interesting um, read. And mm -hmm. it was really engaging in the idea that um, somebody can, uh, through backpacking, find themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that was uh, just the, the mental picture, the mental journey that she took was, uh, was insightful and kind of it, it kept me going. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was that easy to uh, keep turning the pages for that one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very and much you, so. <laughs> you like that in a book. Yes. Yeah. And okay. I'm, you know, I'm ADD or I'm at least self-pronounced ADD. Uh -huh. And so anything that can, I can quickly go through short chapters, easy reads, those are, those are huge for me. Okay. So it's got to hook you or it's not going to happen. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I've heard somebody say that the, you have to go through at least 80 pages to get a, a feel for the book. Um, I don't that's know if that's lot, true That's a lot of pages. It's a lot. I, I'm thinking like five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like one sixteenth of normal. How's that math? Yeah. And yeah, he, sure. we get the idea, even if I'm botching it. Yeah. Okay. What's your third favorite? Third favorite would have to be a completely different, uh, not an adventure or outdoorsy type of thing, but it's No When to Hold'em. Uh, the subtitle is The High Stakes Game of Fatherhood by mm -hmm. John Blaze. Mm -hmm. And I think my wife gave me this book right before we knew, or right before we had our first child, uh -huh. probably because she knew I needed some help. <laughs> uh, but they were short chapters. It uh -huh. was uh, his story of fatherhood and a really, it was it, funny, sarcastic, exciting uh, kind of stories of fatherhood. And it, he, he weaved some poetry into it because I think he's a poet as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, you know, it left me thinking if he can be a father and, and be a good father, then I can do it. Okay. Uh, so your previous two books were adventure books, yet you stuck with poetry. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I'm impressed. There's no rhyme or rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's a little. Um, tell us what you hate and then we'll see about that. Well, the one I, I, I say that I hate, the one I always go to, and is A Tale of Two Cities. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves to hate Dickens. Well, except yeah. for the people who adore him. Okay, so tell us why, why that's your pick. So I had to read it in high school. Uh -huh. And so that's my literally, you know, honest time here. That's the last time I've touched that book. And again, self-pronounced ADD, the first sentence is an eternity long. <laughs> get past it. And uh, it just kind of the... the the feel of the book is I, I can't, uh, it's not a page turner. I can't get mm -hmm. past the words. Uh, mm -hmm. Charles Dickens is very 
in my mind, complex writer, my high school mind. Uh, I don't know if that's even mm-hmm. the case anymore, but it's one of those ones that I, you know, I can't, you know, the first sentence, I can't even get past it. It was the best of times, the worst of times and, or something like that. That was good. That was it, I think. And then about it actually, that first sentence doesn't even stop for another page. Wow. I looked it up again I to didn't make sure that, that. I'm, I'm quoting that correctly. And that is, <laughs> that's right. Now, I want to know if you actually finished that book in high school. Honestly, I don't remember. Okay. So if that's a maybe no. If I could take a guess, mm-hmm. I would say I did not finish okay. the book. Okay. So did that affect your willingness to read old literature, like more than 100 years old? Or <laughs> is it Dickens alone that has that like awful spot in your mind? I couldn't get past Shakespeare either. Okay. Well, those so, are pretty... Uh, those are complex ones. Yeah. 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 So maybe I've put those all into the same category mm-hmm. and maybe I shouldn't, but mm-hmm. you know, we're okay. being honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're being honest. Excellent. Are you reading anything right now? That was so loaded. I always say, what are you reading now? Tim, what are you reading now? Or what have you been <laughs> are reading? Are you even lately? reading anything? Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I would say, you know, I'm not reading anything currently for pleasure. I'm mm-hmm. not reading for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am reading things for work. Mm-hmm. And so things like um, Tribes by Seth Godin, mm-hmm. uh, specifically because I'm, you know, increasing my leadership role at my church and trying mm-hmm. to figure out um, how to be a leader when I don't see myself as a leader in these roles um, and how to lead people and rally people around something. And uh, I started reading The Way of the Heart by Henry Nowen. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a really good, I'm, you know, a few pages in, so I'm still, it could, I have to read it, so I, I guess I will finish it. But <laughs> it's been a really good, uh, it's been a really eye-opening one to how we connect with God. Um, so that's been fun. Okay. Yeah. All right, Tim, this will be fun. Oh, wait, tell me, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? I think I have a good idea of what you're looking for. Yeah, I would say anything that's not, uh, yeah, something to disconnect me from work. Uh, because, again, reading over the last 10 years has been you know, to complete a paper in school or mm-hmm. to have a conversation in my job. And so all my reading has been centered around um, continuing to think about my job. And increasingly with young kids, I need to be present with them. And I, I've seen that that's been a huge struggle uh, when I come home and my phone is on and uh, I'm thinking about my job. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be present with them. And I know that books, the right books can help me do that. So I'm, I'm really looking for reading for fun uh, to disconnect. Okay. Excellent. This will be fun. I have ideas. We'll get to them right after the break. Readers, welcome back. Tim, let's take a look at your picks again. So we've got all nonfiction. Typical for you? Probably, yeah. Okay. We're going to go with it. And really, they're books about adventure. And you said that fatherhood book wasn't about adventure, but I don't know. (laughs) You know. Fatherhood is definitely an adventure. (laughs) Which can be said, I guess that's usually said positively. It can be said with a little bit of a cringe, though, I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've also got a strong personal transformation element going on. And your the writing you picked, it's all contemporary. And it's not fussy. Like, it's straightforward, story-driven writing. You know, like Cheryl Strait is the one. Well, and Blaze, too. You know, they're they're good with words, but they're compact. And they're using their words with purpose, not just to impress you. Does that sound like what you're looking for in a book? 
Yes. Okay. Excellent. So fun, straightforward, adventurous. Um, We could go into deep contemplative stuff in that category, you know, like memoirs of people who climb mountains and think about it a whole, whole lot on the page, or we could go page turning. And since you're trying to find the fun in reading, we're going to go for the latter and find you some stories that move right along. They are all nonfiction, but they are totally story driven. Let's see what you think of these. Book one is Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. Do you know anything about it? I think I've heard about it. Uh, we live in Emmaus, Pennsylvania, which mm-hmm. is right near Allentown, and I, that's the headquarters for Runner's World. So I'm surrounded by kind of these running books, but I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Oh, that's fun for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I hope that makes it less painful to leave the West Coast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the very long subtitle here is A Hidden Tribe, Super, super Athletes, and the Greatest Race the World Has Never Seen. Hmm. So what gets the ball rolling is McDougal is a reporter for uh, Men's Health, I think. And he his foot starts hurting. So he thinks, why does my foot hurt? And he has a lot of resources being at Men's Health. So he starts digging. And in search of the answer, he delves into a world of ultra marathons, you know, people who can run for miles and miles and miles and don't have the problem he does. And on an unrelated assignment for the magazine, he had um, investigated a really secluded community in rural Mexico years before the... (laughs) I'm going to try to say it. It's like the Terra Humara Indians. They're in the Copper Canyons of Mexico. And they, this is a group of people who run and run and run and run, like almost by their, like genetically, they're just built to do it. So he goes down and investigates what it is about this tribe. And along the way, he meets one American whose name I can't remember, except for his nickname. It's Cabalo Blanco. He's the white horse. And he's the one American who's really been adopted by the tribe. Nobody else has been able to worm their way into the community. And these people just run. And so... McDougal goes on a couple explorations like why are running shoes bad for you? Because that's his opinion. What kind of diet should you eat? What what genetically makes this tribe such good runners? But what really why I'm recommending it for you is there are just so many amazing stories about these. There's a couple other Americans who find the tribe and come down and try to, you know, go running with with everybody down there. And it's just it's insane. Like it's a crazy wild ride through the Copper Canyons of Mexico. It's so interesting. And if you do a little Googling on Cabalo Blanco, I'm not sure if you want to do this before or after. Have you read Into Thin Air? I have not. You would like that one too. Okay. Okay. So Into Thin Air is, this doesn't count, but I think, I think you'd <laughs> it's like it. It's a bonus. So uh, it's John Krakauer's account of the disaster on Mount Everest in 1996. At the time, it was the worst storm in history. The most people died on the mountain in a day. Mm-hmm. And the book is dedicated to um, to the people who died on the mountain that day. So when I read the book, I read the inscription first thing. I knew everyone who died. I knew what happened. And I kept flipping back and forth to the introduction as I read, like watching the people win their way up their mountain, like trying to see like, how's this going to go for them? How's it going to turn out? And my husband thought that was sacrilege. He's like, you can't know. So you could do the same thing with Christopher McDougall's book here. There are two ways to read it. You can either Google Cabo Blanco and get, you know, the what happened next and see where he is or isn't now and then read the book or you could read the book and then see. But really, there's some really colorful, fascinating Mm -hmm. characters here and with people who run 
for miles and miles and miles and miles. And some people you'll know turn up like Scott Jurek and Jen Shelton make appearances in the book because mm. they come on down to the Copper Canyons. Uh, it's really, it's a great ride, especially since you're a runner. How does fun. that sound? Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, you mentioned Men's Health. That's actually stationed in Emmaus as well. Same company that owns really? Runner's World. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Uh, instant connection. Wonderful. And he is a magazine writer. So he's used to, he's really good at delivering, you know, stories and information in the kind of style that you could read in a dentist's waiting room. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's engaging and it's not, I mean, it's not airy by any means, but it's so easy to read. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, yeah, you know, being a runner and always looking for those books that are inspiring and uh, especially when you have two kids and it's hard to get outdoors mm -hmm. onto the road. <laughs> Let um, alone for 50 miles. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'll ever do that, but that's that's really cool. I'm looking forward to looking that up. Okay, excellent. Book two, we're going out west. Well, and around okay. the world a little bit. It is The Wild Trees by Richard Preston. Do you know anything about this one? I've never heard anything about that one. Okay. So Richard Preston, if the listeners have heard of him, it might be because he has written like The Hot Zone and a book whose title is escaping me about the Ebola virus, uh, the demon in the freezer. He wrote about smallpox. He's built a career doing science writing about nasty viruses and making them really engaging and relatable and a little bit horrifying because it's completely true and kind of scary. So... He takes a break from the nasty viruses here, and instead he's talking about the world's tallest trees. Mm. So this isn't like a poetic, like John Muir. Um, this is a firsthand account of the crazy and, again, fascinating people who climb them. Um, a lot of kids who grow up loving to climb trees, um, the researcher here that Preston is talking about, he finds them and turns them into scientists so that they can climb trees and take measurements and learn how they grow and how they die and how long they've been there. And one of the fascinating parts of the book that I really hope sounds fascinating and not like nerdy blah, because when you're reading the book, you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I wanted to know this so badly. It's astonishingly difficult to determine how tall the world's tallest trees actually are. They're in the middle of nowhere there, or, you know, they're not, it's not like you can go up in your skyscraper and see how it connects, right. you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a logistical problem. It's a math problem. It's hard. So they do the redwood woods on the West coast. And I believe Douglas firs on the West coast and in Australia. And not only does Preston talk about the trees, which are surprisingly interesting, but he also follows this kind of ragtag cast of beatnik scientists. They may object to that, but just really interesting characters. And he follows their personal lives as well as their professional lives in the trees. And his, his text is really readable. And it's, I, I think it's one of the most fascinating books you never, that nobody knew they wanted to read. How does that sound? Sounds interesting. Um, the first one sounds a little bit more engaging. But, but <laughs> well, did, you know, know, you're a runner. <laughs> yeah. But I did, you know, I grew up in California and backpacking and camping. And so we've seen redwoods and um, yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it. I'd, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep going. Yeah. Book three is The Barefoot Bandit by Bob Friel. Have you heard of this guy, Colton Harris? I have not. Okay, since you were, because he's, he's made the news. Okay, so in the Northwest's San Juan Islands, you know, killer whales, 
like Mm -hmm. giant Microsoft money built houses. There was a teen fugitive who, uh, his name was Colt, which kind of brought up like an image of like the wild west. Um, he was known for basically making a mockery of local authorities, stealing cars, um, he stole a plane once and took it for a joyride, even though he had no license and no experience. He learned how to do it on YouTube and breaking into vacation homes. And because of the way he eluded the police and the FBI and survived in the woods and like traveled the country just, you know, three beats ahead of them, um, it really earned him folk hero status. But you can imagine, like, this is the stuff of fiction, but it's easy to see why he's, um, been the focus of so much attention yeah, but it's not it's completely nonfiction. it's completely nonfiction. so this is an underdog story it's a survival tale um he has been followed by bloggers and people on facebook uh he has escaped from prison a couple of times this is this is, you can't make this stuff up yeah you just it's <laughs> to to like nobody would ever dream of inventing a story like this because it's too unbelievable so this is your modern outlaw legend what do you think that sounds fun uh it sounds a little bit like into the wild is that what it's called um the guy goes out on a journey and to Al- to alaska um have you heard of that one yes it is similar to into the wild okay but that one completely different list. in tone okay okay yeah, so um, that was I'm going to evaluate the meaning of life and opt out of society. And this one is more like, take that suckers, like, okay. see if you can catch me now. Yeah, yeah. That sounds fun. I mean, it sounds like it's an engaging read. Um, probably would go for that one over the second one that you recommended. <laughs> but again, I'm we'll work your way towards the more esoteric. <laughs> Tim, of yeah. those titles, what do you think you'll read next? I will probably go with the first one, just my proximity mm-hmm. to Runner's World and Men's Health. You um, got to do it. Yeah. It sounds like it's a must. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Yeah. Thanks for talking books with me today. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tim. Please head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for what Tim should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 26. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. As Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.